Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Scotland Rugby League podcast, brought to you by McEwen's. I'm your host, James Parsons, and I'm delighted to be joined by National Development Manager James Sloggy as we discuss his first year in the role and the goals for rugby league development in Scotland. So how are you doing, mate? Yeah, re- really good, thanks. Uh, I think straight, strange times for everyone, but uh, we, I think th- things are going in the right direction and, and hopefully we're going to be in a position to get things up and running, um, obviously when it's safe to do so. Yeah, and how, how have you been coping with lockdown and now hopefully coming out of it? Um, do you know, it, it, it's been interesting. Um, I think it gives you gives you a lot of time, obviously gives you a lot of time to think and it's it's probably given given us a good opportunity to, to sit down and review where development is within rugby league in Scotland, um, and and where we can actually take that that going forward, and you know that that fitted in with looking around, uh, looking after a three year old has been uh, an interesting what four f- five weeks so far. So yeah, good good challenges. So you've been in your current role for just over a year, but how did you first get involved? And can you give us a a, a bit of your background into your sporting history um i kind of kind of naturally fell into it it just sort of happened so in terms of background i, I grew up in the scottish borders uh, my mum is welsh my dad's scottish and you know naturally fell into playing rugby union played a little bit of football um and, and kind of hand had a hand in in all sports and from there i suppose uh initially had a, a bit of an interest in you know kind of coaching and helping out at the, the local rugby union team and you know th- things around that area and, and as time time grew it decided it might be a an interesting opportunity as as a career so I ended up spending the, the best part of 12 years working with a couple of different local authorities and in, in funded positions with uh, through the SRU and I think time time just came that there was time to move on and and found you know, find a, find another challenge for myself um and at, at that point the the role of national development manager with with Scotland rugby league came up and you know was lucky enough to to move on from from the SRU into into this role now and how how much did you know about rugby league in Scotland and the sport in general um, not a huge a lot. I, I think um, rugby league was was always um, it was always that sport that the BBC showed during the summer. You know, so when when the Challenge Cup, you know, quarterfinals, semi-finals, finals, I guess, um, came up, they were they were always televised. Um, and you know, there, there was sort of thing you would sit and watch at the weekend. Go, this is absolutely, absolutely fascinating. A hundred mile an hour rugby, um, and then go back to go back to your your union preseason and and you know July, August, September. Well, it seems keeps creeping forward every year. Um, but then you went back to and, and sort of forgot about it. And I think interestingly, I, I spent. Or two and a half, three years working, working up north and with Murray Council, and that there was actually you know some attempts to get a rugby league team running up there, 
And at the time, there was a, a team in Aberdeen and also a team on, on one of the RAF bases. I think that was probably my first sort of real insight into it. And seeing it, uh, you know, that, I suppose, grassroots or, or club level was that, that that was a little bit of an eye opener then as to you know that this is a sport that, that I'm actually interested in with the, the pace and the, the physicality. And and then I suppose it's the, the, the rest history from that point and you know things things that are meant to be are meant to be in, in some regards. Yeah, and well you've now now been in the role for well just over a year. Um when you started, what were some of the, the aims of the role and some of the highlights from that first year? <laughs> the, the first aim was to, to sort of figure out what was going on and, and get a little bit of a handle about where rugby league wa- was in Scotland. Uh, and probably from a personal point of view, where that was kind of more globally as well. Um, so coming into something completely new it's difficult to set and kind of set those targets without having a a full understanding of of where you're starting from um and it was you know we probably set about trying to you know without using all the big cliches um we probably set about trying to put really strong foundations in place to actually start to build on top of um so the you know, I suppose from from my point of view, we wanted to to start off with with some sort of a, a school structure, um, and then link that into the clubs and link that into the the national the kind of national pathway set up for for those individuals that that that, that was suitable for, um, and I suppose the the big thing to do that was was not to lose focus that there are always going to be players that are happy in that school environment or that club environment and and don't want to go anywhere um don't feel they need to go anywhere out with that so it was a little bit of a challenge of of where we pitched that and who we worked with and how we how that looked geographically and from that point it, it then became you know, a little bit of a view of how do we actually make this sustainable? Um, do we have a you know a really bust, a, a robust um, you know coach education strategy? Do we have people that can deliver what we want to do? Um, so I think the the first the first couple of months, uh, I suppose th- this time last year, was really a, a sort of fact finding of what we currently had in place and did we have a structure that that could support all those different activities that we wanted to try and grow and then sort of moving out of that early phase um this is the with the focus on schools how have you been trying to deliver that 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 goal what what we looked at historically there's been the uh saltire school cup in scotland and i think what what we wanted to try and do was, or I suppose the the the, re, the real goal was to try and reintroduce that, um, and we kind of very optimistically, um, kind of set out a, a, a sort of year to do that with the hope that um, some kind of schools competition would would be up and running now. Um, what what we what we looked at was taking the the kind of main club areas 
Um, so Edinburgh Eagles, uh, Glasgow Rugby League, Fife Lions and Strathmore Silverbacks. Um, looking at those four areas and, and looking at how we could work with the secondary schools within those regions. Um, our aim initially was to have, um, I suppose, six or eight schools that we were working with consistently. Um, and within those schools, having um, a, a full curricular program. So community coaches in delivering during curricular time. Um, during children's core PE classes. Um, and then from that, having that, um, I suppose, that bridge from uh, curricular time activity to an after-school club. Now, in Scotland, having open-age rugby and under-16 rugby, the challenge was a little bit where we pitched that at. So we took a, a fairly broad approach Um from the first point and, and pitched that at S1 to 4. Um, so kids between the ages of, I suppose, 11 or 12 to 15, 16, um, working with those groups um, and then providing them the information to move on to those, uh, to move into those after-school clubs. The the initial feedback um, on those was, was really positive. And particularly in our Fife schools and our Edinburgh schools, the, the transition from those curricular programmes into the, the after-school clubs um, with the support of active schools in those regions as well was really, really positive. Um, and I suppose pre, um, pre-coronavirus, um, <laughs> we were actually in a position where we were, we were, we were in a position where we were getting 15 or 20 players down to those after-school clubs um, and we were in, in a position to, to bringing those schools together for, you know, whether it be a, a joint training session or a hit out or, or something like that. So we didn't quite get to the, you know, relaunching the league position that, that we'd maybe hoped to. But I think we've, in terms of the schools, I think we've had a really strong, strong start for our first year. And as long as we can, you know, as long as we can pick up on that again in, in August and September, my, my hope is that, that, you know, around about, you know, I guess January, February time, we might be in a position to, to, to get these things up and running, if, if not before. Yeah, I think having a, a league and essentially having as many people playing the sport as possible is only going to be a good thing. Yeah, I, th- I think the the league thing's been been some, something that we really want to do, and I think people want to play competitive sport. Um, there's no interest in you know training week in week out. There there needs to be that, and I'm sure we'll come on to it. But we've taken that same approach around the um, around the sort of under sixteen club stuff as well. That there needs to be those opportunities to compete. Yeah, because what, what is there at the moment in terms of under-16s competing? So where we're at just now, um, a year ago, we we had a, a group of players up at Strathmore. So Strathmore are a, a trust, um, and really helpfully to us, they've got a, a development officer up there that, that maintains um, that trust, which 
actually focuses specifically on rugby union and rugby league. Um, so the large proportion of, of their players play, you know, in the simplest terms, play union in the winter and league in the summer. So we had between 15 and 20 under 16 players up there last spring, um, but nothing particularly for them to compete in. Um, so what we looked at last summer was a, a really basic um, three fixtures between Strathmore and the, I suppose, a, a combined Edinburgh after schools and Edinburgh Eagles under 16 team supported by Edinburgh Eagles. Um, and that, that panned out really nicely for us. Um, Ed, Edinburgh went up to, up to Strathmore and, and played uh, the first game up there. And then they actually played a, a very, very competitive game as the, the curtain raiser to the Scottish Cup final um, in August, July or August. And th- that set the tone kind of really strongly and, and the demand for, um, for rugby league at that age group. What we've looked to do this summer, so summer 2020, is to to expand that and actually instead of running it as I suppose home and away fixtures, is to actually look at running a um I suppose a, a competitive festival type format. So we've actually got we've probably got somewhere in the region of four or five teams now, depending on availability of players. So we've still got that really strong core um up at Strathmore. We've got um, the strong core in Edinburgh as well. And we've got really, really positive numbers um, coming out of Fife who are actually supported by Kirkcaldy Rugby Union Club. Um, so they, they've become a, a hub of rugby, if you like, within Fife um, and are looking to support both codes. Uh, from there, we, we've got a little group of players in, in Glasgow, a few players in, in Stirling. Um, and a couple of other areas of more more west based there that you know at, at these events would, would come together and create whatever teams were were available on the day. So the plan was the plan was four of these events across the summer, um, and with all those guys coming together and playing each other, and then the clubs then looking to to arrange additional fixtures between each other and again increase those opportunities and with those sort of increased opportunities and um, more people playing have you noticed uh, the impact on sort of national team particularly for the under 16s because um remember at the last development day talking to Steve Beatty the under 16s head coach he was sort of noting how many Scottish accents there were in well, in, particularly in comparison to past years. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's been really interesting because we actually, last summer, um, we actually saw a, a, an almost instant boost in the numbers around that under-16 group. Um, and I think we were quite quite fortunate in that a lot of players from one of our Edinburgh schools stuck very closely together and all came down en masse um, with with their families and picnics and, and things like that as well, which, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, but I think 
the, the the session that we've had so far for this year in in line with in line with what Steve said, I think a lot of those guys from last year have have moved up to the next age group, and I was yeah, I, I was probably it's probably fair to say I was really surprised at, at the amount of Scottish accents we did here, um, and it seems to have taken you know that the rugby league stuff with with the schools we're working in and the extra promote promotion coming through social media it seems to have, have captured people's imagination quite quickly and i think those age groups you know players around 14 15 16 are, are starting to see rugby league as a real opportunity um not only to to play something different but potentially to to improve their rugby union skills as well um or or as I say to, to move into to something completely different. And I, I think that's uh you know some of the players that we had down at that session I, I think it's a um uh, you know a, a kind of real tick in the box as to how Scotland Rugby League are starting to to promote the game and put the information out there and um the professionalism of, of the setup that we have and I think the those those views are starting to spread really quickly. Um, I think in terms of that that national that national um, pathway from you know kind of sixteens, nineteens, and wherever you go after that is starting to become um, really exciting for people and and something that that both players and parents really want to be involved in. Yeah, so the the um, I, I guess. It'd be fair to say previously the the main pathway that you can see was obviously the quite obvious one of nineteen students to senior, but it's only going to be a good thing if the pathway sort of extends, as it were. Oh, completely, and and I think it has to do that. And I I think when you get to you know any sport at under nineteen or or those older ages, it naturally becomes um, more competitive. Um, potentially more about results, and I think there needs to be that opportunity for for younger players to experience that oppor- uh, to experience those opportunities to learn a little bit more about the game. And it, I mean, so, some of the under some of the under sixteen players that come to the pathway stuff have, have never played rugby league before. Um, they've maybe seen. You know, like myself, I suppose, maybe seen a, a little bit on telly or on the internet or, or whatever else. Um, but they need to have that that, that under sixteen or, or younger, hopefully in the future. They need to have those opportunities within their club and within an SRL um, supported environment to to gain those skills and build that experience. As you mentioned giving those opportunities and experiences is a key aspect of your role. But what have been some of the main challenges you've faced in delivering those opportunities? Um, I think, you know, I think the biggest challenge has, has been that there is so much on offer. Um, and, and I know we hear a lot now that there's nothing for, for children to do and, and this, that, and the next thing. But I think there is an, you know, there's an absolute wealth of opportunities within schools to to get involved in sport if if that's what your you know if that's what your cup of tea is, um, and I think you know going into you know if we, if we take Craig Royston High School in Edinburgh as an example, 
you know, they have in, in terms of after school clubs, they have three, four, five after school clubs running every day after school. You know, so we we're going in and, and selling a you know, in my view, selling a strong product and schools are, are keen to get involved, but how do they fit that into an, an already, you know, overflowing timetable? Um and, and a lot of these schools you know, because of their where they are geographically, don't have grass pitches or a um, you know an artificial surface that is of good enough quality to you know to play a contact sport on. And I think just the you know the kind of negotiation process and the you know selling the the really strong opportunities that that we've had has has really over, overcome that that hurdle. I mean you're always going to get the you know football v rugby or rugby union v rugby league um there's always going to be those those bits of discussion but yeah you know, I, I i've i've genuinely been surprised that there hasn't been um there hasn't been a huge amount of resistance for for those reasons um it, it's it's genuinely been because um children and, and young adults lives are, are are so busy these days that you know d- doing something else is is a challenge for them yeah and and sort of again touching on the i mean in, in scotland there's two major sports um have you in, yeah in your year have you, have you found ways that they can work together um so i mean we were talking to murray mitchell last week who plays plays the senior team as well as playing um you know rugby union at a pretty high level and sort of how the switching between the two has actually helped him improve quite a lot yeah i've i suppose i've mentioned the two two most obvious ones already in in terms of strathmore um, with the sil- silverbacks up there, and and their um, their their community, yeah, their community hub set up up there. But the I suppose the the, the latest one has has been the work with Kirkcaldy Rugby Club, and I, I suppose in a, in a way we we've struck quite lucky, and the, the the development officer there, you know, has has a foot in both camps. Um, so it has an interest in, in both union and league, but also the the board there can can see you know how how it can be really positive for for a club in that area to have boys and girls playing playing rugby union through throughout the winter, um, and then moving into to rugby league in, in the summer, and and how that can benefit um, both league and union. I think that that discussion has, has come about through the through the interest in the the Fife based high schools, um, and a demand for for rugby league to to be there, um. But Kirkcaldy Rugby Club, um, you know, are are going to support a, an under sixteen team this season. Uh, they hope to expand that in in, in future years, and. They also have, you know, in terms of geographically for for Fife, that they've become a little bit of a hub for, um, for us running, you know, coach education courses out of, you know, potentially CPD type stuff down the line, and I think it it really shows that the opportunity is there for, 
um, you know, for, for sports clubs to to do that little bit extra and, you know, sports that are seasonal um, to actually, you know, create an environment where there is something all year round um, and where there is, there's other opportunities to, you know, potentially draw players in or additional funding um, and, and partnerships are always going to be stronger than, than trying to go at it on your own. And I suppose an important thing to stress is that we're not looking for people to ditch playing union completely. <laughs> yeah, I think we are, we, we don't really sit on the fence. I think we, we are not necessarily, you know, like the, like the discussions you've had with, um, with the players previously on the podcast, you know, we're not looking for, for players to, you know, hang up their rugby union boots or, or whatever else. We, we see a real opportunity for, you know, without players burning themselves out, we do see a real opportunity and really, you know, positive reasons for, you know, players to be playing both and, and be engaged in, in both codes. And I think they that has benefits for both codes as well in, in terms of the the fitness, the game speed. Um, I know the, the guys previously have, have said to you that, it's, you know, playing both has improved their attacking rugby and their, you know, their defensive rugby as well, um, regardless of, I suppose, what pitch you're on. Yeah, um and it's I suppose about trying to change the perception and there's a lot that both sports can learn from each other. Um and in your first year obviously there's been quite a lot going on. Um what would you say have been some of the, the most positive outcomes of your work, sort of stories across the sport? Um, I think the the Kirkcaldy aspects, uh, or the or the Fife aspect has been been really, really positive. Um, I think that that has shown that there is there is growth there and there's opportunities to to explore different areas. Uh, th- I think the numbers that we've seen come through the schools, uh, in terms of those, or I suppose the the willingness of the schools to work with us, and, and I don't mean that to sound disrespectful to to anybody, um, but you know we're we're going in you know, we're talking to schools that might have rugby union already or you know, some of the Glasgow schools that are, you know, kind of real football schools. Um, but there is a desire to have that um that other option there for their pupils. I think, you know, getting into getting any external sport into curricular time in a school um has it obviously has its challenges and I, I think given that we've done that um, we've then managed to to build the after school club onto that, and and we're in a position to, you know, potentially field fixtures or as I said, joint training sessions. I think that's really encouraging. Um, I think the the clubs have really bought into to what we're trying to do. Um, the, the support from them, you know, in, in terms of you know the guys taking days off their work to take the Edinburgh players up to to play at Strathmore and. And things like that. I think that's that shows that we have some really, really strong characters in our clubs, and that they're moving in the right direction. Um, I think we're now in a position where we're looking at of having our own coach education structure in Scotland, and I think that will make the sport a lot more sustainable for us, and it means we can start to grow on the successes that we've we've had in in year one. Um, 
and you know, in, in my view, if if we have really strong you know, or if we have club uh, school experiences, a strong club game, um, that's going to increase the the profile, which in turn you know increases the numbers, and that can only have a, a positive impact on the um, the game at national level as well. How much impact do you see your work having on the national team? Um, yeah, because can you look into the future and see the possibility of a a, a lineup of of Scottish born players? It would be nice to see. It'd be fantastic to see a lineup of uh, all, all Scottish born players. But do you know? I I think we I think we quite often you know and as I say we I think we as in people involved in the sport, not necessarily rugby league or, or anything else. But I think we quite often get bogged down with what happens at, at national level um and national level is important because that's where you get your that's where you get your profile and it's going to help your funding and, and things like that but i think if we if we can continue to to grow that that grassroots level and we can make it sustainable and we have coaches that are out within that community that are well qualified and have experience and you know, are good at working in that environment, then that that's only going to increase the player numbers. It's only going to increase um the the pool of players that, that we can pick from. And I think naturally through focusing on that that grassroots and club level, we make the game stronger. And you know, I, I would love to say that, you know, in, in ten years time or, or however long it is we have, you know, 13 let's go with 13 uh, we have 13 scottish born players that that are all uh, that are all lining up I, I hope it happens it would be fantastic but i think from from a development perspective it's it's not something that we we necessarily think about that regularly um i, I think my my focus really is on you know really growing that those grassroots opportunities, those those players from from there, and then the national team coaches can have the have the headache about who they do and don't select. But I I think that that that, that has to be the you know that that has to be the right way to go, um, and it's you know I guess it'd be fairly obvious to few people to to most people that the more you know if if you want to be sustainable, you know you you've you've got to be looking at at fielding players that are that are from you know are from your own country and that that's not supposed to be disrespectful to, to heritage players because there's fantastic players out there that are eligible and always you know I assume always will be and will always be part of that squad but um I think all sports need to you know start looking a bit bit closer to home and you know kind of work on their work on their own growth and their own pool within their own backyard yeah absolutely and building on that point um what are your aims and goals for the role going forward i think i've used the word a lot but it comes back to that sustainability so my hope is you know we're assuming in in scotland that the schools aren't going to go back till till august um so I, I think from from my view, I'm hoping that you know we can hit the ground running in August and September. Um, that the schools that we're working with 
Um, we've spoken to them already and they are keen to continue those, those partnerships um, going into the next school year. There's obviously going to be a, a bit of work. Um, our community coaches um, tend to be students or people that have part-time jobs and want to have a bit of involvement in sports. So there's going to be a bit of to and fro getting them allocated back out into the, the schools again. Um, so I think that that's going to be, you know, square one is going to be making sure that we're at the same position as as where we finish now. Um, I think we would want to look to explore the option to bring some more schools on board. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be quite keen to you know kind of fill that gap, I guess, a, a little bit between um between Fife and and Forfar, whether it's something in in Dundee or or maybe a little bit farther farther north, which obviously wouldn't fill the gap, but um. I think we we'd, we'd certainly be keen to to bring some uh bring some more schools into that structure. Um with that we'd need to look to in, increase the workforce in terms of those community coaches or or volunteers and with that we'd hope to continue the partnership with um European Rugby League um in terms of the, the coach education stuff. Uh, look at some you know running some more courses. Can we upscale some of our community coaches or volunteers to to roll those co- courses out across the country? Um, and I think with all of that, a, a lot of it's um, you know profile. If we can get the profile out to I don't know Inverness or somewhere like that, you know could could we look at getting a a North League with some some interest up there or you know them joining a national league and you know it, it's. I think where we're at just now, a lot of the stuff comes from you know discussion around the table, people coming to us, um, as well as going out and pushing it. And I think the more we can do to have these discussions with with schools, with existing union clubs, um, or or other sports clubs for for that matter, um. And and again, as we said, just look to to really grow those uh, those opportunities and and strengthen strengthen the foundations at, at grassroots level. So you mentioned a, a workforce. Um, how how can people get involved and volunteer? Um, well, we have in terms of volunteering, um, our you know our kind of uh, routes of or lines of communication are through our social media and, and through the website. Um, but any, anybody can get in touch um, in, in terms of volunteering. Um, clubs are, are always looking for, you know, backroom staff, people that can help with coaching. Um, and, and you don't need to have rugby league experience. Um, it might be that you want to come and, you know, help, you know, manage, uh, manage the off-field finances or, or something like that. And you just have a, an interest in, in, in rugby league or not at all. So anyone in that that position, you know, get in touch and, and we can put you in touch with the with the appropriate clubs. Um in terms of the, the community coaches, we have about twelve community coaches at the moment, um split across the, the regions that we're we're working in. And in terms of those positions, we look for somebody that has you know ukcc coaching experience 
it doesn't necessarily need to be in, in rugby league, although obviously that, that would be preferred. Um, but somebody with, with UKCC level experience, um, experience, potentially experience of working within a school or um, you know, an after-school club environment, potentially experience of working with active schools, um, areas like that. And it's exactly the same. We, we do put adverts out through, through Sports Scotland and you know, the kind of normal places um, fairly frequently asking for applicants for those posts. But the doors open at any time. Um, so anybody that's out there on a sports coaching course or you know, maybe a personal trainer or, or something like that, you know, the opportunity is is there to get involved. So you know, pick up one of our um, pick up, I guess either myself or or Ollie Crookshanks, um, contact details and, and get in touch with us, and we'll have the discussion. and And hopefully, you know, the more people we can get involved, the better, and the more we can grow. Um, and then just in terms of actual players, um, often. I think people associate playing for the national teams or getting involved in the under 16s development days, under 19s, and things like that. You, you, you're waiting for a, a letter to come through the door. Uh, is that the case for Scotland Rugby League? Uh, absolutely not at all. Um, so, all of our training sessions are, are completely open. Um, they're open to any experience. Our coaches within those settings are, are fantastic. Um, I know when I've you know, kind of been out, out watching the sessions and stuff. I've been absolutely fascinated about, you know, their ability to to cater for experienced players and players brand new coming into the game. And I think that that's one of our real strengths at that level. I think particularly around the under-16 stuff, um, that's yet yet again another opportunity for those those players to play. Um, so if we consider the, you know, the four national events, through through the clubs, the club might pick up another say four games. You know that that's only eight weekends across across the summer that, that those guys are going to be playing. So we really look at that that under sixteen, um, I suppose um, pathway um, or development days. We really look at that as another opportunity for for these guys to play. Um, so I think there <laughs> there's no invite letters go out. Um, your invite letter is what you see on Facebook or Twitter. Um, so I think if anyone's uh, sitting out there thinking, I, I fancy a shot at this, um, drop us a line, get yourself down and, and get involved. Um, it, it really is, it is open door and we will do whatever we can to, to cater for anyone of anyone's le- of, of any ability. Okay, so we've spoken quite a lot about um, schools and the national side, but where where's club rugby at, and what are your plans for expanding that in the future? Yeah, I think I think you're right, and it, it's always really easy to talk about the school stuff and the national stuff because they're the bits that are you know maybe maybe most active day to day, if you like. Um, and I think. I think the clubs are massively important to, to how we grow this. And I've spoken about foundations and bridges and, and all these things. And I think without the clubs, there isn't any pathway to anything. And I think we sometimes forget about how important club land actually is to growing the game. Um, 
I think where where we look at it, or where it's where I certainly look at it, is that you know players coming into our sport should have the experience at school. They should learn how to play the game within the club, and then the national stuff to that is is the cherry on the top for for those players that want to do it. So in terms of our clubs, um, they obviously a number of them have expanded this season in terms of, or a couple of them last season and, and some more this season, in terms of adding that under-16 um, under age group to their club. That's been challenging because we've, we've had to find additional coaches, uh, additional funding for transport, strips, um, things like that. So the, the clubs have been working really hard with, with our support to, to try and get those those aspects in place. Um, Scotland Rugby League launched their um, women's national team um, the, at the start of the year. So you know, Edinburgh Eagles, as an example, are now looking at, at ways in which they can launch um, their own women uh, women's team in terms of supporting that structure and giving that other layer. I think that the other clubs will will follow that given time. Um, we're working with them closely in terms of upskilling um, the coaches that are there. So I mentioned working with um, RLEF. Um, so we've now um, we've now got them on board in terms of delivering their their level one coaching qualification. Um, so that gives us an opportunity to, to upskill more coaches to to work in those environments. Um, we've brought first aid training in-house. So we're now offering um, the club's first aid courses, obviously doing that, that in-house. Um, we can make it a lot more affordable and accessible to those clubs. Um, and then, you know, out with those things, it's really the, I suppose, the day-to-day support in terms of, your funding applications, funding opportunities that, that are out there, um, questions around player registration. Um, you know, there's always the the odd thing that, that comes up. C- can you find us a pitch at the last minute or or something like that? Um, and, and and thankfully our clubs are are well set up and well organised, so these things don't tend to happen. Um, but you're you're always um, it's always nice to get a little a little surprise on a Friday evening or something, um, when when those comes up. So really uh, around the clubs, um, it's we're trying to or we are working really hard to support them to become, um, I suppose the main rugby league teacher, if you like. Um, and really la- relying on them to, to upskill those players coming into the pathway um, to make sure that, that we have players that, that are getting opportunities to play, that know the game, um, even at the mo- most basic level, um, and making sure that, that the clubs you know, genuinely are in a position to, to, support, to, support what their, um, to support what their aspirations are, I suppose. You mentioned the the women's team starting up this year. Um, where where do they fit in with the the rest of the organisation and the current structures that you've already got? From a development perspective, um, the it fits in really nicely. Um, 
you know, we, we've mentioned with the, the secondary school activity that we're working in curricular time with S1 to 4. So what that has actually meant is that round about those S1 and S2 age groups, we're actually getting mixed classes. Um, so we're getting, you know, a, a group of, you know, say, say 30 school pupils, you know, potentially a 50-50 split of, of boys and girls. So it's actually allowed us to completely integrate the, if you like, the women's game as part of the bigger picture, which is how, how I think it should be anyway. Um, as a result of that, we've actually found that a number of our after-school clubs um, have seen a split. Um, they have been you know, more, more biased towards boys in terms of numbers. But we have seen a really strong number of girls um coming through coming through and wanting to be involved as well. And I think that I think that kind of shows testament to to the work that a lot of sports have done um within within women's sport and shows that those barriers are starting to break down a little bit. And we you know f- from that perspective we really look that, that any opportunity that, that we put forward, there is there's an opportunity for, for everyone in that in terms of development. Um, we actually have more female community coaches than we do male community coaches at the moment. Um, so I think the, the interest for, for rugby league within that environment seems to be really strong. Um, I think certainly from from my perspective, I I would do whatever we can to to support to support the growth of that, um, and to ensure a a continual pathway from, um, f- from the school aspect, you know, through to that that development structure within the, um, within the national setup, and and obviously the the discussions with the the individual clubs as to to how they can support that work as well. We sort of mentioned um, community coaches and things like that, but um, what provision is there for coaching education? So it, this is something again that, that we've really looked into and and really looked deeply into sort of how how we can grow that. Um, so the the first thing we've done is what worked with um, European Rugby League to bring their their level one on board. Um, we had our first level one um, for, for some time in Scotland scheduled. Um, unfortunately, it's been postponed twice now because of uh, coronavirus. So hopefully that will go ahead soon. Um, our plan taking that forward is that um, we can upskill more people to run that course over time and look at introducing the, the level two, hopefully going into the next season or the following uh, we've brought our our first aid stuff in house, so that again is is supporting the the clubs and our coaches in terms of giving them that that qualification and that extra experience, whether it's within a school setting or you know pitch side setting with with the clubs. We are currently in discussion with some of the um, national age grade coaches. So at the moment, probably more around the, the under 16 age group, um, although we will look to extend it, it past that. And the discussion with them is, is actually opening some of these training sessions up to 
club coaches and to the community coaches and, and other people involved in the game um, and actually using um, those um, those development days as a, you know as a uh, co- a coach education opportunity for for those coaches within our games and I think how how that would look at, at the moment would be you know a little bit of a little bit of indoor chat about specifically um what those what those coaches are going to see on the day and then you know predominantly pitch based actually having a bit of back and forth with uh with those coaches about about what they're seeing um and how they can potentially fit those ideas or or those skills into their into their own club network and i think anything like this is is always a little bit of a challenge because we have within the community coaches we we have coaches that have only been involved in the game for you know, m- maybe three or four months and are really new to it. And then when we look into the clubs, we've, we've got guys that have been you know, involved in the sport you know, since they were knee-high to a grasshopper and they've naturally grown up with it. And I think the, the big challenge for us at the moment is making sure that these opportunities are there, but that they're always pitched at the correct level. Um, and and that's probably where discussions at at the moment, and and that's going to be one of the big challenges um, for for this season and and next season and, and going forward from there about how how we do that and and make sure we're we're catering for 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 as many people as we can. Well, it certainly sounds like things are going in the right direction. And just to say thank you for taking the time to join me today. Um, I found it really interesting to get an insight into how things are moving forward and hopefully how things are going to develop when sport is back up and running again. No, uh, thank you. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. And I think uh, it's great to get an opportunity to to talk about what's happening in rugby league, or specifically in Scotland and, and where we're going. And I think it, it's a little bit of a worrying time for, for everybody. I, I don't know when sport in general is, is going to be up and running again. Um, hopefully we're we're pretty close to it now, um. But no, I, I think um personally, I think we're in a strong position going forward, and hopefully we can can have another chat chat soon, and we'll have a little bit more information for you. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Next week I'll be talking to first team and Edinburgh Eagles player Lewis Clark. But in the meantime, you can keep up to date with everything Scotland Rugby League on our social media at Scotland RL, and we'll see you next time.